colonial. We have to unlearn. Shall we begin? Let's begin now. Somebody ought to do something about that. What would Quay say? Is this the Oppression Olympics? Decolonization. It's the data. The revolution will not be televised because it is starting with infants and toddlers. Welcome to Get on the Early Childhood Bus, where we break down everyday issues affecting our youngest children. We're going to meet you where you are and take you where you need to go. So get on the bus and be prepared for a journey that takes us down a path that examines our systems and applies child-centered solutions to give kids what they need to thrive. Let's hit the road and get this bus moving. equity let's talk about equity okay let's talk about it talk about equity so so we have another little clip here um part of my conversation with chef christian where he explains how some of the inequities that limit families access to food are systemic in nature and he starts it with what foods are even actually farmed like what's being grown what's available in the market overall and then he talks about what's available and affordable is also determined by legislation and lobbying. Again, mm-hmm. he says he doesn't know anything about policy. <laughs> <laughs> right. He knows a lot more than he thinks that he does. So um, we can hear a little bit from him about that and then we can talk about it. We hear a lot about, oh, these communities, you know, have these high rates of obesity and People need food choice. They're not making good food choices. What do you say in conversations where you hear the blame being put on the families and the children for for the kinds of choices that they're making? No, this is systematic. This is, they almost don't have a choice. I mean, the food system is built to have a lot of waste, The food system is built, is full of corn and soy. It's in everything, all the processed food, almost all, in the animals. And I love corn and soybean farmers. Some of them are my friends. And, you know, we're we're, we're putting these ingredients in food and there's not a lot of nutrition. In theory, there's nutrition, but there's not real nutrition. There's not real life in it. So Chef Christian clearly speaks to some of the systemic inequities that are happening, that are causing down the line where we find the baby, young children to not be able to have enough nutrition and their families, of course, not able to have what they need in terms of healthy foods. What do you think about that, Penny? I totally am feeling everything that he said. I agree, don't blame the families, right? ask them though what why like let's not guess like like that's and I love the empathy and the sympathy and everything but like let's not guess let's ask what they need we don't we can't assume that we know you know why they're not able to provide those nutritional options there's so many reasons beyond what we imagine it could be right so again in all of this and I think equity is 
wrap through all of it with Quay. We say Quay, we say quality access and, and equity, but at the end of the day, what they all have a theme <laughs> regarding is really having that cultural competency or whatever you want to call it to, you know, as we try and educate each other, like everybody has some learning to do because this is a systemic issue and should not be blamed. The family should not be blamed. So with that in mind, I think that we can continue to see us flourish and create access and remove some of these barriers and to re remove the stigma, right? Like of blaming the parent, like let's get every, let's get everybody in the community excited about developing healthy palates early on. Like what, what are some things we can do? Because as adults, it's hard. And, and I know he mentions that in the interview, you know, what can we do to get people hyped about, come on, we all try different things, right? But imagine as a child, because I just recently visited a friend of mine who has a three and a half year old. And I was amazed at how her son wanted avocado and blueberries and raspberries. And it's like, yay, that starts early. And, and every time she tried to feed, feed him a piece of meat, he was like, I don't want that. And I'm like, and don't fight him on it. Let's stop trying to cram all this stuff because of convenience. We have it at our you know, disposal. And it's like, I got, sometimes I don't have an option. Like you got to eat. And so this is exactly. what I have. Exactly. And so how and do we overcome sad. that challenge as exactly. opposed to just saying, oh, I want to feed my kid some, you know, junk food. That's not anybody's intention. I'm, I'm, I'm going to venture to say. <laughs> yes. Right? So yeah, there's that tightrope that caregivers of children are constantly, constantly walking between what is convenience and what is maybe best quality, because often they're not on the same page. I'm thinking about equity in a couple of ways here. Equity of access to nutritious food, equity of opportunity to engage with those nutritious foods, which is either, you know, knowing that they exist, knowing what they taste like early enough to develop some affinity for it, being open to that. And then equity of choice, which would be the ability for people to decide what they want to eat based on imagine their that physical <laughs> or cultural right <laughs> or economic needs mm -hmm. you know and i think that's one way that we can change that conversation is to think about equity in those terms because i always always think about families are extremely resourceful mm -hmm. and like you said most families are not looking uh, for hot Cheetos as a meal per right. se. You know, I can't, I can't mess with avocado if I've never seen one and don't know where to get one. Right. Not every neighborhood <laughs> has avocado in their grocery store. We are very, very lucky in Chicago that we can pretty much go out mm -hmm. and get avocado most mm -hmm. hours of the day and it's going to be pretty decent. Not everybody has that. And what if I don't like avocado? There right. Are, what then? There's more exactly. than one way to eat healthy food. Right. You know, we have this whole thing about like everyone's got to eat kale. Collard greens are so healthy. Thank you. Collard greens are so healthy. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to throw out your collard greens and go get some kale. You just need to know that collard greens are 
just as healthy and you're doing just fine. Mm -hmm. So there's also like a little bit, you talked a little bit about the the stigma. There can be a stigma around the kinds of food that you eat that has more to do with social expectations than what's actually happening with that food. So I think, uh, I think that what you said about stigma is really important because we want to give families credit for all the things that they're doing to take care of themselves, take care of their kids, and to survive as best they can. And yeah, we want to remove those barriers instead of shaming them for them. Amen. Because also with convenience comes for parents often a little bit of ease that they need. Absolutely. Sometimes we as parents kind of have to choose between our mental health and what the parenting books say is the best practice. And that's not a choice that anyone should have to make. So here, Chef Christian talks a little bit more about the food system. Here we go. Maybe we can blame those people because some people think they're lazy. Uh Uh-uh. They need, the churches can help. I think the hospitals, all the hospitals need teaching kitchens that don't just teach people how to cook. But that teach people how to do what I just said. Like some people are working two jobs and there's no grocery store in the neighborhood. So now you're going to say, this is all their fault. (laughs) I mean, this is, you know, this is a crime. So these systems have been built by, in general, the rules have all been built by white men and 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 i'm i'm not saying that these white men had this idea to pick on other people that part i don't know i wasn't there but these systems the food system the health system they're 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 not built to support people on the fringes, right? So then the food banks open and then they get free food and like, and it's mostly, I've been in food banks. There's some fresh food, but there's a lot of packaged food. The food in the schools at the USDA, I mean, the schools, public schools are under the USDA umbrella. Again, I love white men. They made all the rules. And now these schools get this free food from the USDA that if you saw most of it, you would cry. So here he really dives into talking about systems mm-hmm. and sort of those overarching systems. USDA is a very big agency. Um, thinking about things like that and how to make changes at that broader level. Because a lot of the changes we talk about, smaller, what's happening in the classroom, what's happening in uh, individual school. If we're lucky, what's maybe happening in a school system What do you think about approaching changes at the systemic level on the topic of access to healthy foods? Well, I mean, there's so many layers, right? And I, that's why I love our call to action that we are going to post for the listeners. Um, And that includes some, you know, changes in policies and legislation as it relates to, you know, sort of what he was talking about. Like, I'm reminded of a story that happened uh, a few months ago when I was in a drugstore and there were 
individuals in there who were trying to look for things that qualified under SNAP program and things weren't labeled accordingly. So they had to go to the register and guess whether or not it was included or not. And how humiliating is that, that you're at the register and they're telling you different things that you can't get. I couldn't understand it because I was like, it's milk. It's, you know, it, it was basic things, but it was because it was a certain brand or kind. It was like, no, it's not included. I think that there needs to be an increase in how much, you know, with, with inflation, we all know how everything's gone up. It's much higher for people who didn't have a problem with access before and who now have access issues. So imagine individuals who had those barriers up to begin with and now inflation, and now you're telling them that they can't, you know, get access to, to certain foods because it doesn't qualify. So we have to start there as well. And then we have to start figuring out ways that we can work with stores to kind of help eliminate this I'm not going to say assume people are embarrassed, but people shouldn't have to shop like that, shouldn't have to feel like, you know, oh, now the attention is all on me because now I'm at the register and I have all these items and I can't get it because I didn't know because the labeling wasn't there in the store to indicate whether or not something qualifies. And I know that there are phone systems, you know, I, I'm not familiar with the entire system, but obviously something broke down in that, right? And that's that's a horrible thing. So there's so many things that come to mind. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's not an equitable experience. Mm -mm. You're having kind of a second class experience where so-and-so can walk over and get whatever milk they choose, whatever mm -hmm. tomatoes, whatever yep. fresh carrots, and walk up to the register and nobody's in their business. Whereas I've had the experience of, you know, being on federal support when I was in grad school and having to go, you know, pick this particular milk. I couldn't get fresh carrots. I could only get them in a can. And this is while I'm pregnant, taking things up to the register. While you're being, pregnant. While oh I was my pregnant gosh. and being told at the register, you can't have this. You can't have the, the cereal that has a little more flavor. You have to have the plain one. And that's what they said to me. You have to have the plain one. And I don't know how other people feel about things, but for me, that was humiliating. That is. That was absolutely humiliating. People should be able to get the resources that they need and go on about their day. Where's the humanity in all of exactly. these policy decisions that are being made to for that? Yeah. Because that, that is a huge barrier to access because people are often at the end of the day going to choose not to be humiliated. Exactly. And they'll make that choice over a lot of things you might not expect. Mm -hmm. So these are important things to think about. Um, I love what you said about having relationships with the actual individual stores. Mm -hmm. I think that would be a great precedent to set. And I think some communities do that. I think some communities have, you know, really motivated community members who get in there and they work on that. And we want that kind of relationship to be more widespread. Right. We want that to be more of an industry expectation. So if someone is like, I don't know what the snap items are, hopefully that grocer says, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. Let's take care of that and never have it happen again. Right. So, right. Right. 100%, 100% agree with that. All right, let's do our last little clip here where we hear about Chef Christian's vision for food justice. I mean, I'm, I know 
You know, I'm, I'm in Salinas, California, 14 schools. It's almost all little kids from Mexico. Their parents are from Mexico. They're in the fields. It's, it's, it's called the salad bowl of the world. Mm. And the food that their parents are picking in Salinas, which is hours and hours and hours of beautiful food, is not in the kids' cafeteria. Wow. And you tell me it's these kids' fault that they're chubby? Oh, okay, you know. Wow. Sounds like you've seen so much. Can I ask you one more question? Yeah. I would like to hear, and we've talked about a number of systemic barriers and kind of things that are getting in the way of people having healthful food options. What is your hope for food justice? We need systems where everybody gets a say in the rules. And we need, man, there's so much we need. I would say where everyone gets to make the rules. And, and, and I think we need everyone to agree to collaborate on when, when a kid leaves preschool, when a kid leaves, any preschool, rich kid preschool, right, people from different parts of the world that look different, rich or poor, right, that when they leave preschool, they crave nutrient-dense food, that when they leave eighth grade, they crave nutrient-dense food, that when they leave high school, they know where the food comes from, and they can make it, everybody. And, and it's okay, like, if you can't afford to go to Whole Foods or a place like that. You know where your food comes from, and you want to eat that food. And so to do that, the system, the current systems, you know, have to be blown up, I think. It's really hard to re-engineer systems sometimes because... It's, it's really hard for the people that are at the top of the system to share power, really hard. And, and, you know, sometimes I think we have to wait for everyone to die. And that's not a nice way to think. Like, I don't want to think like that. Chef Christian, I love you. I, that, that is just, you got to wait for people to die so we can get, hear some different voices. My goodness, how horrible. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. I appreciate he's so thoughtful in his words. He so really I know is. that when he said that, I know he meant it. <laughs> I really appreciate his thoughtfulness. Yeah, um, definitely. How we get to sharing power aside, I really appreciate that he does talk about if there are going to be changes at the systemic level, that does have to be a part of it, that right. things have to change and power has to be shared and what's happening now things have to change moving forward. I think that was really important. And I really appreciate that as he talks about systems, institutions, large entities, he still brings it all back to how are the children? Exactly. He brings it back to have we created a experience where they crave those foods that are good for them? And do we maintain that? Talking about that continuity from early childhood on through to adulthood, yes. have we created that experience where they know what the food is, where it came from, and they know that they want it. 
even yeah. when they have other options. I think that's really, really powerful. What are your thoughts? What resonated was what you just said when he said uh, about Whole Foods, like you might not be able to afford Whole Foods, but imagine knowing that you wanted a certain quality of food and then maybe that then puts you into a position of advocacy and advocating for grocery stores to provide those types of food. Because I can tell you now, the community that I live in, I'm in there constantly seeing somebody on the grocery, it's a small, very small grocery store. Like you need to have this, you need to have that. And I'm always seeing the change because they, they listen and they respond because they, they want the community to shop there. So if you then are going into a community that doesn't have the healthy foods that you know are out there, but that don't, that aren't provided in those stores within your community, then you're more likely to speak up and then you can advocate for improvement. So there's so many different roles you can play if you just have the knowledge of understanding, okay, this is something that I want and is not available to me. So knowing that what's not available to you is the first part of the battle, right? And so getting every, all these kids ready for battle, basically, (laughs) and saying, "Uh uh-uh, no, where's my (laughs) avocado? Where are my blueberries? Yes. Or where is my fresh, healthy carrot instead of uh, exactly limp, not so great looking carrot? You know, what is although they do say I have learned this. Mm -hmm. I've seen some studies where they say that the organic ones are the bruised and ugly fruits and vegetables that we should Mm -hmm. be getting. Mm-hmm. because if they're all pretty, they probably have all of the pesticides and all of the things, you know, so, so learning about how to shop for something very, you know, very healthy. And that is free of a lot of these hormones and chemicals that are being packed into these fruits and vegetables just for it to be appealing to the eye. I love that because we, we want to know the difference between this is bruised because it was dropped on the floor a bunch of exactly. times versus this is a higher quality product and it's not pristine and covered with chemicals. Right. That's an important difference to know. And you can only get that through experience. If you have lived most of your life in what people call food deserts, mm-hmm. where it's really hard to find a fresh vegetable, first, you got to get to the vegetables. Exactly. First, you got to see them and be like, okay, I know what that is. And then I remember when I was in college and I first went to Whole Foods and I was like, I have never seen these carrots before, (laughs) which is not entirely true. My parents took me to farmer's markets and things when I was young, but as an adult preparing food for myself, it was a different story. I had never seen food on display, like vegetables are amazing and you want this. And I was like, I do want this. These are gorgeous. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to eat this bell pepper. That's what everyone deserves to have that experience. Exactly. Of I walking agree. into the store and saying, oh, I cannot wait to eat this fresh food. I want to yep. make sure I don't overcook my green beans. Exactly. You know, that's what I started to have when I discovered vegetables were delicious as an adult because yep. I had so much canned, canned, canned yep. food, yep. you know, and it really makes a difference. And so my thinking just to kind of sum things up on the equity piece Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what i hear chef christian saying what i've seen in my experience as an educator of young children and someone who's been in so many early childhood classrooms equity in a lot of ways is created by cultivating experience using relationship building and respect mutual respect 
to move beyond simple availability so that people can access resources on their own terms. I think that autonomy is really important Absolutely. And based on their own needs. So people are expected to kind of take anything with no regard to their mm -hmm. personal needs or cultural context or what have you. Mm -hmm. And we really need to build institutions that make changes to do what has been basically proven more effective, to offer that respect, to facilitate that autonomy, and to support people having healthy choices to make. That's my thought. I love it. I agree 100%. And with that, I'd like to draw attention to our call to action that we talked about. We definitely have some call to actions as it relates to several issues that impact society, but one of them is definitely food security. And we will be having future podcasts on the other issues that plague our society and therefore impacts our children and in our effort to find the baby in these issues and to look for solutions. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Atina, thank you so much. What a wonderful interview you had with him. Chef Christian, if you're listening, thank you so much for sharing. I just love the way that you are so uh, transparent <laughs> and just how in your face you are. And I appreciate you being vulnerable enough to share your experience in this. And thank you for speaking out. And you might not always know what words to say, but the fact that you're trying to talk and you're going to stumble you just continue to learn out in public. And that's what we talk about in policy and leadership is learning in public, committing to do that. And that's what you do. And I just want to say thank you. And I appreciate the work that you're doing for the children and helping us create these healthy palates early on. Thank you for listening to Get on the Early Childhood Bus podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive. 